Uh, in this 40 days of hearing God, it encompasses on a lot of issues. And tonight I want to present something called getting the most out of your Bible. It's a message I've done many times before in different ways. Um, it's very important, though, for our 40-day time period of hearing God. Um, because having the Word of God is a very key part of our hearing from God. Uh, let me throw some big statements at you. Did you know? Holy Spirit will always agree with the Scriptures in our lives. The starting point of being led by the Spirit of God is the Word of God. The scriptures. Um, anything more that the Lord wants to communicate up to us by his spirit will always be an absolute agreement with the written word. There will never be a disharmony between the two. Rather, a perfect harmonizing. These are very strong statements. And in the light of these strong statements, it would behoove us to correctly examine the Word of God, that our hearing and our guidance in it, we would be sound. So I have a lot to say tonight, a lot of information. You may want to go back to this to take some notes. It might be too much coming at once, but um, let's start with the book of Acts here in chapter uh, 17, uh, verses uh, 10 and 11. I'm reading out of New American Standard. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these people were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. They received the word of God with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They want to prove out, you know, what's being said to us. Can we find this in scripture? If not literally in principle, uh, you know, don't believe a word I say unless you can't find it in principle or literally in Scripture. Not a lot of things are going to be found literally, but they can be found in principle. And that's an important issue. We want to be of Berea, Berean. Uh, and the Bereans have the, have the emphasis on the Word of God. So knowing the Logos of God, a teaching earlier in our 40 days of hearing from God, which means the written Word, knowing the Logos of God is essential to test the rhema word of God, the living fresh word of God that he pops into us, uh, to test the rhema word that we receive within. So the logos of God is complete. You can't add to it. It's finished, set for eternity. So we need that logos to abide in him uh, so that it would be a foundation for any rhema we receive from heaven. Also, New American Standard, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, very foundational scripture for us in how we handle the Word of God. All scripture is inspired by God. In other words, this isn't a good idea of men's heads. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully equipped capable, equipped for every good work. It's our tools that equip us. So we see here, all scripture is profitable to us. It brings profit to us in these areas to teach, to correct people, to uh, rebuke, to train us up 
it's our boot training camp spiritually and how to live out righteousness so that we would not be sloppy but well equipped to handle the word of, of uh, God for every good work. Um, the Bible was never meant to be only for scholars and theologians to read. If that were so, we could make the excuse, oh, we didn't understand. I'm not educated. But it was meant for all to read and follow with simplicity of faith. God doesn't honor what's in our heads. He honors the simplicity of our faith acted out. One day when we stand before God, we're never going to be asked what we had in our heads. We're going to be asked what we had in our hearts. And how do we walk that out? So that's heavy stuff. We want to remember that. And um, we want to follow what the Word of God has for us. You know, the Word of God brings illumination to us onto salvation. And then how to live out this life dedicated to Him so that we bear fruit for Him in the kingdom of God. That's why you're still alive and haven't gone home to be with the Lord. You need to bear fruit and have much fruit, as Jesus tells us. In um, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, of the NIV Bible, it says, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. We're always after, what do we do with this word of God? Sound doctrine. Some might say, I'm not interested in studying doctrine. Well, do you believe something about the word of God? about the Lord, then you have doctrine. Uh, I remember there was a great evangelist in the 1800s, Dwight Moody, and he wasn't an educated man. And uh, he, I was saying something that obviously the religious didn't like. So he gets down from the pulpit after his sermon. This, this Bible scholar runs up to him and said, I don't like your doctrine. And Moody said, I didn't know I had any. <laughs> and of course the guy probably walked away judging him. But, hey, Moody was not impressed by the uh, scholars of his day. Uh, so, uh, doctrine is simply a teaching. Uh, more accurately, a teaching that we're going to live by and perceive life by. A collection of scriptures to set a belief by. So, what we do with the Word of God, how we handle it, uh, better, what do you believe? But a, an even better question is, why do you believe what you believe? That's because we need to be make it sure and sound. In 2 Timothy 2.15, out of the King James, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In the King James, rightly dividing the word of truth. In the NIV, correctly handling the word of truth. Now, we want to correctly handle the Word of God, not physically with our fingers, but how do we divide it up correctly so that we have sound doctrine? How do we divide it up into its sections and themes to properly, in context, have an understanding so that we avoid error? Uh, for example, we're talking about four days of hearing God. People do this. They'll close their eyes. Oh, Lord, talk to me. They'll open their Bibles, put their finger down, and read a scripture. They believe God's talking to them. There used to be an old joke amongst Bible teachers. Oh, Lord, talk to me. They open up their Bible, put their finger in. What is he saying? Oh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 5. Well, that's about Judas. He went away and hanged himself. What could that mean? Oh, Lord, bring me light. Teach me Jesus. They open the scriptures again. 
Luke 10.37, go and do likewise. That's not guidance. That's foolishness. That's wrongly handling the word of God. That's wrong guidance. He doesn't do that. Um, rather, as we rightly divide the word of truth, if you put your finger right before the book of Revelation and after the book of Acts, we get this little piece of our Bible. Little piece. See it? Right there, little piece. This little piece of our Bible is from Romans to just before the book of Revelation, and it's the New Testament letters. And it's this little piece of our Bible that explains the rest of our Bible. This is the only part of your Bible, other than the book of John, that assumes you're a believer before you read it. Yeah, the book of Revelation would be included too, and Acts. But the only part of your Bible that assumes you're a believer before you read it. And these are the pages of your Bible that should be most worn out. Uh, when you read your Bible, you want to read it with New Testament eyes. I don't see light like you do, perhaps. I wear glasses. And my light is, comes through a prism and is distorted so my eyes can see it. We need to see with New Testament glasses. We need to see with New Testament eyes. We need to see the Old Testament through New Testament eyes. We see the New Testament completing the Old Testament scriptures. So we should be having the New Testament to interpret the entire Bible. The Old Testament would be incomplete for us as believers without the New Testament. So that's very important that you live there in that little tiny piece of your Bible that we showed you. That's where you live as a believer. You don't live in the book of Ezekiel. Hey, I've met Christians that live in the book of Ezekiel, and they're strange. And you know they're strange. You met them too. Believe me, they're strange. You live in those New Testament letters. I'm not saying we don't read the rest of our Bible. Of course we do. But what I'm saying is we use those little New Testament letters as a foundation to understand the rest of the Bible. So dividing the word of truth. A lot can be said on this. Just a couple things to mention quickly due to time. Um, you know, the Bible is a Greek word, tabablia. And tabablia means the books. Not one book, but this is 66 separate books. 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. Another way to look at it is we say Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, another way to say Testament is covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. Another way to say covenant is promises. Old promises, new promises. The old is based on the law, the new on grace. And God's promises are for us. And they're yes and amen, it tells us in Corinthians, because of Jesus. So we better find out what those promises are and agree with them so the Lord would be in agreement with us when we pray them. We need to be praying these promises, praying these scriptures, not praying our opinions or our, our whinings, but Lord, you said this. I plate this before you and I believe what you said. Be it done in my life. This is where we use the word of God in prayer for effectivity. There's a lot I could say on that due to time I can't. You know, the word of God comes in three levels. Uh, first, we have the written word of God. Then we have the living word. That's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then lastly, we have the word of God in us. Present by the Holy Spirit, the, how Jesus lives within us. And the Holy Spirit gives light to the word of God. Now, before you were born again, maybe you tried to read the Bible. I did. 
meant nothing to me. Words on paper. Tried, didn't work. Why? There was no Holy Spirit illumination. When I came to know Christ as my Savior, the Word of God came alive to me and it was speaking to me personally. So let's look here at some Bible themes, perhaps. Uh, in terms of the Bible, it's a covenant book, a book of promises. But there's really only one eternal promise, and that's called the Abrahamic Covenant, ratified by the shed blood of Jesus. So one aspect here, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the main theme of the Bible is this. It's the plan of redemption, the story of redemption. And redemption comes through the nation of Israel in the Old Testament because they were the nation of the Abrahamic Covenant that would bring forth one day the Messiah, seen fulfilled in the New Testament with Jesus' birth, mission, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. Uh, mankind, through uh, Adam's sin, takes on uh, Satan's nature of spiritual death. Now man needs eternal life to replace spiritual death. Father God has to provide this since man cannot provide this for himself. So Jesus is the way, the second person of the God could. He comes and buys back mankind for a price, redeems him. Redeem means to buy back. And the highest cost of all is precious sinless blood. That he would give men life again, eternal life, zoe life as it says in Greek. If we would put our faith in him, a new nature of right standing comes into us with God. Jesus restores man the way he ought to have been before Adam's sin, before the fall of man. And we see the completeness of that at his resurrection, second coming. At his second coming, we receive the new spiritual body. So then the Bible's a romance. God loves his man. And we say man, we talk about men and women, men in the generic here. God loves his man. God loses his man to sin. To an enemy. God goes to great lengths and extreme measures and means to get his man back. And when he gets his man back, they're going to fellowship together in eternity, never to be separated again. So those of you who like romance, there you go. So the whole Bible is God's desire to fellowship with his highest creation. Aha, not angels. Man. Wow. Wow. Read the book of Hebrews. Wow. So he is seen in the Old Testament constantly trying to draw a people to himself, yet they love him more for what he gives them, provides for them, more than who he is. By the time we get to the book of Revelation, we have a people that love him for who he is, the person of God for eternity. So in a nutshell, the Bible has seven purposes. This is going to go quickly, so you might want to you know, re-listen to this. First of all, it's to reveal the plan of redemption to man. God has given us history, H-I-S-S-T-O-R-Y, his story, the plan of redemption. Second part is to reveal Jesus as Lord. Third, to show the Father's great love and long-suffering for his man. Fourth, to show those who respond by faith in Jesus have eternal life. This is our legal covenant document for eternity. It's an eternal proof that, that will stand the eternal court of law. Five, to reveal the truth of the church uh, and to instruct us on how to live as a covenant people because in this world, we live as aliens here. This is not home. We live as aliens here 
and we hide the word of God in our hearts that we might not sin against him. Number six, surprise, to judge Satan. That Satan would be eternally judged and God vindicated with no accusation to him. Number seven, to reveal God's plan of eternity. So we have this all in the word of God. Some of it's in shadow, some of it's very clear. So God has communicated with his man. And the Bible is a record of this communication. The Bible then is God's highest revelation to man of revealing himself. So man could not know him on his own. God had to take the initiative and reveal himself to man. So our task is to accept this eternal fact that God has spoken to us. And it has also, very important, spoken through us through his son, Jesus. Our requirement is that we come to the Bible believing. And Hebrews 11.6 is a picture of that. So the next point here, uh, when we're looking at um, uh, some important Bible themes here, uh, all scripture is inspired by God. So his perfect message is accurately spoken through man, without error or omission by these Bible writers. There are many testimonies to the Bible's perfection. We can't go through all of them in detail tonight. Let's throw out some true facts. Governments have been founded on the Bible. No other book has so affected civilization and changed the course of human history. That's why there really is a BC and AD. Don't let anybody tell you it's changed. Before Christ, and in the year of our Lord. The Bible has survived all its critics over the centuries. They're dead and the Bible's still here. The, the famous Voltaire story, Voltaire was this famous atheist philosopher who predicted after his death, 100 years after his death, I think that's what, 1700s, 1600s, there would be no more Bibles on the earth. Guess what? The American Bible Society now uses his home as their headquarters. God has a sense of humor. The Bible has survived all tests of time. It stands unaffected by the changes of the centuries. Scientific truths are in agreement with the word of God. Um, it's in perfect harmony with itself. I mean, there are great lengths of time in between books, totaling over an 1800 year period of time with over 40 different authors from diverse backgrounds and ages um, from different cultural settings, from different literary styles, and yet to be in perfect harmony, it's impossible for that to happen without the hand of God to make it so. Only a divine author, Holy Spirit, could make this happen through men. No other collection of books in the history of humanity can claim this. Then we have prophetic utterance, the fulfillment of the prophetic of its divine inspiration of the Bible. There are thousands of verses of prophecy in the Bible, thousands already fulfilled. And if they're fulfilled, how much more surety those still yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. There are over 300 prophecies alone about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament that were fulfilled. This is a mathematical impossibility without the hand of God. And you know, the fact that a man can hear the scriptures preach to him and come to a place of saving faith by Holy Spirit is the greatest biblical testimony. 
Your salvation story, my salvation story, is the greatest testimony in itself. You're a living proof of God's word, transforming power. And over the centuries, the spirit of God has breathed life into people when the word of God came to them. It's the Bible's greatest proof. No other book can testify to that. So the focus of the Bible, both Testaments, is one thought, one person, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every book in some capacity has to point to him. All of the Old Testament points to his coming, his mission, his lordship. And the New Testament explains what the Old Testament has pointed out. So due to time here, we need to move along. How about what we're really talking about tonight, getting the most out of your Bible? Well, first of all, it's kind of difficult to do this in one sermon alone. Um, it's warm here, sorry. Uh, to do it, we would take many presentations. Our Bible school course on doctrine of the Bible is five weeks long. So this is kind of hard to do in just a few minutes. So tell you what we do. Let's look at some basic helps. Uh, that we should always keep in mind when we handle the Word of God. And these are basic principles to follow that will always serve you. Um, I think I wrote down nine of them. There's a lot more. I'll just give you nine. I like nine. Why not? So number one, Holy Spirit is our teacher. And He will lead us into all truth. You have to remember that. Don't throw rocks at me. You're not led through the Word of God. You're led by Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Jesus rebukes the Pharisees in John 5 for believing they're led by the Word of God because if they had been, they would have believed He was the Messiah. So read that for yourself. So we're led by Holy Spirit through the Word. So that means this is not an intellectual pursuit. We don't check out our brains. We use them. We submit them to our spirit. But 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that. This is not an intellectual pursuit. <laughs> Number two here, read prayerfully. Talk to the Holy Spirit when you're reading the scriptures. Pray the scriptures as you read them. Also, we should have a love for the scriptures. There must be a diligence that we have. If we love the scriptures, we'll have a diligence. And if you don't quite know that, ask Holy Spirit, give me a love for the word of God. Number three, Come to the Word of God believing, not doubting. Hebrews chapter 11, 6 tells us that. We need to come believing. Not like, I don't know if I believe this stuff. I believe it, Lord. If I, do, if I think different than I'm wrong, I have to change. I come believing. Number four here is we want to hide the Word into our hearts. That I would not sin against Him. Psalm 119, verse 11. Hide the Word into our hearts. Psalm 119, verse 11. That I would not sin against him. Love that scripture. Number five. We wish we could talk more about this in detail. But the things that are written in the past. Are for our instruction now. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 tells us that. So the Old Testament is not Death Valley days. And boring times. Rather we're looking at entire lifetimes of people. Accurately recorded. And we're learning from their lifetimes. How we can avoid the obstacles and mistakes in our lifetimes as a guide. So the Old Testament is a guide for us present as Holy Spirit brings us light. It's written for the earlier times for our instruction now. Romans 15, 4. Big scripture. Number six. I like this. 
only what's important in the mind of God is mentioned. Where's the dinosaurs? Silent. You know, the story of creation. I would have wrote it a lot different. He didn't write it like that. Book of Genesis, book of beginnings. It's about people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because the theme is the Abrahamic covenant. God writes to us what we need to know, not what we want to know. So therefore, I need to start accepting what I need to know, not what I want to know. What I need to know is all that matters. Cool scripture. Want to hear cool? Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons that we may observe all the words of this law. What we need to know has been revealed to all oh, you don't know about God. It's a big mystery. No, it's not a mystery. He revealed it. What we need to know is all we need to know. Don't waste your time on what you don't need to know. It'll just burn your, you know, spin your wheels, burn your tires. Don't do that. Also, we don't want to go looking for hidden meanings. A lot of people try to do that. You're going to get weird or you're going to go cultic. Don't do that. Number seven. Here's an important point scripture. Uh, a, a point, point, an important point of scripture. Don't be concerned about what you don't understand. Practice what you do understand. So people might look at certain things and go, I don't understand this. Well, do you understand where it says don't commit immorality? Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Do what it says. Don't commit immorality. So, don't be concerned about what you don't understand. Practice what you do understand. Usually what we do not understand is cleared up in time if we're patient in practicing what we do understand. Number eight, simple rule of Bible study. Take literal where it can be understood as literal. Take things symbolic where a literal rendering is not understandable. When Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, cast it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Is he telling us to take out our eyes and cut off our hands? No, that cannot be literal. Therefore, there's a symbolism behind it. Rather, it tells us, be radical to remove sin from your life, as someone would be radical to remove a hand. That's what we're learning. That's called hyperbole. And he's doing that as an intentional exaggeration to make a point. The Bible does use literary tools. Jesus uses literary symbolism. So take things literal where they can be understood as literal. Take things symbolic where a literal rendering is not understandable. And my last point here, number nine. If your life doesn't conform to what you read in the Bible, don't rip that page out of your Bible. Change how you live. Classic example. Forgiveness. Ouch. Forgiveness. Ouch. We're told to forgive. If my Lord has forgiven my sin, how can I dare not forgive someone else? But I don't want to forgive. If your life doesn't conform to what you read, don't rip that page out of your Bible. Change how you live. We have to learn to be a forgiving people. An example. So we could go on and on. Many other tips here, many other helps. Don't have time to go any deeper. We're about a little past 30 minutes already for a, for a little um, live presentation here on, uh, on, on multimedia. 
Um, the main point is tonight that the Word of God has an important place in our communion with God, in our hearing from God. Pastor Maureen last week had an excellent principle from 1 Thessalonians, test everything and hold fast to that which is good. When we have our hearing from God in communion with the Lord, in, in, uh, in hearing the Lord, we test it against the Word of God to see if it be so and in agreement with the Word of God. And we test what we hear that it agrees with the Word of God. If it doesn't, we can't accept that. We agree with, with always with the Word of God. And you know, sometimes this side of heaven, we don't hear so good. Sometimes this side of heaven here, we need to test things against the Word of God because my soul gets in the way. The noise of my head gets in the way, and I think I call it God, when in fact, if it doesn't agree with the Lord, I'll never forgive them. You didn't hear from God. Let's change. Forgive them. Ask the Lord for help. Ask Holy Spirit. But we need to forgive. Just as an example. Oh boy, so much I could say. I think we've touched here tonight on the theme I wanted to. How about if I pray for you? Father God, that we would all be Bereans, scriptures, uh, scripture lovers, Father. Scripture lovers that want to put the word of God in us that we would not sin against you. Father, for everyone in my hearing, Lord, that would be watching this, whether on Facebook or on YouTube or live right now in some capacity via these electronic methods. Lord God, we just ask that um, we would make a quality decision tonight in our hearts to be people that put your word first that we get all out of your Bible that we can have. That we would read our Bible, as one Bible scholar called it, read it for all it's worth. That, Lord God, it would change our lives. That, Father God, it would bring us in closer communion with you. Uh, better equipping ability, Father, to love others and minister to them the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ's Lordship. Uh, Father God, that your word would be in us, Father, and dwell richly. We ask you for this, Father, for everyone here in my hearing, that they would receive that and walk in that in Jesus' name from this moment forth. Can you say amen, amen, and amen? Praise God.